myself. Hi, Chanel. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. All right. Sorry. My phone's. Okay. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Um, thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me again. Um, I know it's been since September since we last spoke. And since we last spoke, you've been quite busy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. And I, I thought I liked to travel, but <laughs> I, I, I'm like, wow. She's putting out her album. She's doing that one challenge and drops and women in language. Yep. I like to keep busy. <laughs> well, thank you for coming back on um, to talk about drops, the at one challenge and everything else you've been doing since the last time we talked. Um, for those people who um, don't know you from my show, because I've gotten more people since the last time I've spoke to you back in September. Can you just give a brief summary? Sure. Um, my name is Shannon Kennedy. I uh, have a blog called Eurolinguist. Um, that's with an E at the end. It's the French spelling. Um, and I started learning languages seriously when I was at university. And uh, my blog was kind of my way to document that process. Uh, currently, I work with Drops, which is a free language learning app. I also work with Fluent in Three Months as a writer, but I also run the Add One challenge with them. And um, I'm based in Southern California, and I'm also a musician. Oh, awesome. Um, I was just curious, how did you get involved with Drops? Uh, good question. I was already using the app and I really enjoyed using it. And because of that, um, I started communicating with them and it just evolved from there. What do you do for them specifically? Um... <laughs> uh, I do a lot of different things, um, but mostly marketing. Okay. Yeah, I downloaded it. It looks like a very beautiful app. It is, yeah. Um, I I did it because I wanted to see if it was going to be accessible with voiceover or not, and then I realized it wasn't. And I was like, this is a pretty app. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I can't use it. But I do recommend it to a lot of people. Um, Thank you. Um, um, I'm just curious. I mean, it's it's become popular since... Uh, you've been promoting it. Um, I mean, I've heard other people in other language groups talk about it, and they, they like it a lot. Um, I've actually found that a lot of women like it. I guess because of the way it looks. That's like interesting. It's, like it's visuals. And because um, a lot of the people that I, I hang out with on you name the language group, I'm a part of it. Um they say a lot about drops. I think it's like 50-50 between drops and Duolingo at this point. And then like Babbel, Memorize, and Anki follow after that. So I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Um, 
Oh, I wanted to know, um, along with my listeners, what was it like learning Hungarian in secret, not <laughs> telling anybody about it for months? It was actually pretty difficult um, because, you know, you need help when you learn a language and you need to connect with people and not being able to connect with other Hungarian learners and swap resource suggestions and, um, you know, get as much practice as I could have gotten made it a little bit more challenging. And then when I got to Budapest, it was even more challenging because my instinct was to use Hungarian uh, every opportunity I had, but because I was with my coworkers so often, I had to kind of pay attention and make sure I wasn't doing that. And um, I did accidentally use Hungarian a couple times, uh, but thankfully they didn't notice. So um, yeah, it was it was difficult learning it in secret. And um, but I mean the payoff was amazing because they had no idea that I was doing it. They even asked me a bunch of different times if I had any plans to learn Hungarian. I had to lie. I felt pretty bad about that. But uh, when I finally surprised them, their faces were just so shocked. And it made all of that work that much more rewarding. I'm just curious. Could you take my listeners through a, a quick review of what you did to learn it? Because, I mean, evidently... If you were limited to so many resources, I mean, did you tap into some of our polyglot friends who might have taken it? Or was it just like covert operation? (laughs) Um, So first, I actually documented the entire process of this project. And Mm -hmm. you can find that on the blog at languagedrops.com. So for those of um, you listening who really want to go into depth on exactly what I did, I did I think a nine post series with videos on exactly what my process was Mm -hmm. but just to kind of sum it up uh basically what I did was I found a tutor on italki and I practiced with them only the last two weeks of the project actually um I uh ended up doing like I think two to three lessons a day the last two weeks of the project but up to that point, um, I did connect with uh, two of my coworkers at Fluent in Three Months, Balance and Benny. Benny had done a two-month Hungarian project as well. So I kind of picked his brain for what he did. And there's a video of that chat between us. And then Balance, who's on the Fluent in Three Months team, who is from Hungary, he uh, had, was my first language exchange partner. And he promised to keep it a secret and not tell anyone at Drops. So he helped me initially practice and kind of work on some of the Hungarian sounds and that was a really big help at the beginning Um, but mostly what I used uh, I mean part of the project was you know I was surprising the founders of drops so I wanted to use drops so I mean the only two resources that I really used during that whole project were drops and a tutor Um, and it was a good way for me to see just how well drops works um, how much Hungarian I was actually learning and then I had the tutor to practice what I was learning with so I did about a month and a half studying with the Drops app and then two weeks of studying with a tutor while continuing to study with the Drops app before I surprised them in Budapest. What level did you wind up reaching after all that? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I was able to have conversations on a really basic level, 
um, I started working on being able to talk about work things. So I don't know if I was like a specific level, but I was very specialized in basic conversations and work-related conversations, as well as, you know, just some basic things like getting around Budapest, like asking for directions, um, Mm -hmm. ordering something if I wanted it takeout or to eat in the restaurant. So different things like that. Um, I mean, I was probably maybe an upper A2, lower B1 um, by the time I was at the end of it. But there were certain points where I was studying, like, um, especially when I was doing lessons, I would do three lessons a day. And then I'd spend all the time in between the lessons um, studying what I went over in the lesson. So, I mean, there were days I was studying like 10 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. No, that's commitment. (laughs) That's a lot of commitment. Um, Because from what I hear, Hungarian is a very challenging language to wrap your brain around. I don't know. I really enjoyed learning it. Um, There's a lot of things that it shared in common with Croatian, and I really liked digging into that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. I've been challenged much more by other language than I was challenged by Hungarian. Oh, wow. I mean, because I've I've heard so many people say different things about it. You're probably the, wait, let's see, there was Finny, you, Luca, Alex, and Chris. There's like five people I know who have studied, oh no, forget Moses, (laughs) about six (laughs) people that have studied Hungarian. And, um, Everyone had a different, you know, some people took it, took to it like a duck to water. And some people, it was just like, they couldn't wrap their head around it because it was so foreign from what they knew um, from their own mother tongue. Mm. But uh, yeah, I was like, ooh. And then I, I started seeing that, you know, you were traveling to back and forth to China and um, I said I I could just imagine you know the whole um, being were you in like Taiwan were you in mainland China I was in mainland China I was in Shanghai okay um, was it easy for you to you know put your head back in that 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 language space of speaking Mandarin Um, I didn't really have to go back into the space of speaking Mandarin. It's a language that I use every day because it's the language that I speak with my son. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm always kind of in the Mandarin headspace. And, um, part of the reason that I went there was because I speak Mandarin and, uh, it was with my music work and they needed me there because I had that ability. Mm -hmm. So prior to the trip, um, I really dove in and I focused on, you know, kind of refreshing the kind of things that I'd need to talk about for that work. Um, so I didn't really have to get back into it because it's so much a part of my life already. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I decided to take a crack at Asian languages this year myself. I decided to pick two, um, Cantonese and Thai. That's exciting. And um, I actually used Mango languages app for the first time because I wanted to try something different mm-hmm. and um, I did their only they had one 
unit of um, Cantonese because I guess it's new. So they had like 59 lessons and I did like the first four chapters, like one a week. And I just broke it down to a lesson a day. And just so I can do it in small chunks to see how, how well I, I could absorb the language and understand it. And it was so easy. It just came naturally. I never studied an Asian language a day in my life. So for me, it was just like, ooh, you know, I like this. And I went through the whole entire course in like six weeks. And then I just decided as a mini goal that I would pick up the phone and order some Chinese food in, in Cantonese. The person on the other end was speaking Mandarin, but she understood what I was saying. And we actually had a little bit of a laugh because I had ordered some um, barbecue bun. And I didn't know that they didn't sell that particular dish at this particular restaurant where I live at in Akron. She had to tell me that the only place they served it was in Hong Kong. <laughs> so I was like, oh. But I did order some sumai and uh, a couple other things in Cantonese and gave my phone number and address. I mean, I just, I felt like it was born for me and I was born for it. And then I just threw up a video up on Ollie's um, group. And Luke Truman was like, have you ever spoken an Asian language before? And I was like, nope. And it was like, you're good. That's pretty good that you got the tones and everything. And I said, well, I, I like it. And, and I also found a lot of um, movies and shows on Netflix in Cantonese. Mm-hmm. So I just threw up the subtitles in English. I found one particular one that was like one season. It was like 20, 25 minutes an episode, like 13 episodes for the whole thing. And I just, I watched the whole thing. And then I, I listened to the subtitles be read to me out loud voiceover. And as a result of that, like I got, I watched the whole thing in like less than like 36 hours. And then I turned them off. And then I started the whole thing over and I listened to it in complete Cantonese. And a lot of the Cantonese that I had learned in that A1 level was some, some of it was similar inside of the, the actual show itself. So I was able to actually enjoy it and, and pick up more Cantonese as a result of it. Um, and then I did the same thing with Thai, even though I'm not done with Thai yet. <laughs> but um, I'm using Mango for Thai as well. And I did contact them because I said, um, can you please make some more Cantonese and Thai courses? Because uh, uh, aside from Japanese and Mandarin, um, their Thai, Korean, and Cantonese courses are all one u- one unit. So it's anywhere between 59 on one course, 75 on another, 77 on another. But it's all at an A1 level. Hmm. So they're more popular courses, the Mandarin and the uh, Japanese it goes a lot further, like four or five courses with like almost a hundred lessons in each, give or take. Uh-huh. But but I, I actually enjoy it because of the space repetition. And they break it down a lot easier in regards to the units and you can do it in small chunks, one whole conversation. So 
So if it's like nine lessons, you can do a lesson a day until you get that whole conversation down. And I, I actually found that that was a lot easier than trying to stuff a whole bunch of information in your head at one time. Hmm. So yeah, I've been I've been um, doing that, um, and I don't well along with um, continuing my podcast. Since you were last on, I now have eight point zero k listeners. Congrats! Yeah, and I I'm completely uh, I just hit the eight point zero k this weekend. Seventy different countries from around the world. That's um, amazing. So I, I didn't believe it either because, I mean, I, di- I didn't check the stats or anything. <laughs> so something just told me, well, I'm going to check my stats and find out. I say I'm surprised here in the States. I have 60% of um, the U.S. listening to um, my podcast right now. California has the biggest number with 116 people. California represent. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I was like, I miss living there. <laughs> it's been 10 years since I've been uh, since I moved back home so I, 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 I call California like my third home next to Jersey mm-hmm. so yeah I I, um, I was quite shocked I mean evidently I mean there's, a, there's certain states that I knew I probably would never get because of the level conservative um They're more conservative. So, but I got all the liberal states. <laughs> so I'm quite happy about it. Someone's like, you didn't get Maine? I was like, no, I didn't get Maine or Vermont or Connecticut or Rhode Island. But that's okay. But I got everything. Well, everything else minus a couple Southern states and probably about five, five or six Midwestern states. But, you know, I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so now, um, you guys put on Women in Language for the second time. We did, yeah. Which I was really excited to be able to participate and actually buy a ticket. And I'm, I, I actually told Kirsten earlier, I said, I, um, it, I got the chance to find out about other women out there that were, you know, language learners, and they were doing all kinds of things and creating all kinds of great content and, and traveling and using travel to help people learn languages and all kinds of different, you know, language learning, you know, subject matter that I wouldn't have known anything about if I wouldn't have bought a ticket. Um, but I have to say, I actually enjoyed it. It was probably the most well put together event I've seen online to date. Just like, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it inspired me so much that I decided personally that I'm going to um, put together my own um, language learning conference online next summer um, in July because I looked at the calendar and I looked at all the months and, and certain polyglot events that were happening and I said you know nothing's happening in July I'll do July and um I because ever since joining the black girls learn languages group by Shahida Foster I've been hearing from a lot of you know the women in the group and a lot of other people outside of it they wanted my they wanted to see more minority 
um, representation. And I said, well, define that because if I'm looking at minorities, I'm looking at people of color and I'm looking at not only black people, but Hispanics, Asian people and people from the Middle East. You know, there's a lot of people that live in the Middle East. There's a lot of people that live in Africa and they they're probably doing really great things with languages. We just don't know about it. And so um, I decided um, to create an event just because that sort of thing is not, um, you know, a lot of people are saying they want to, they want to see more people that look like them um, speaking. They, you know, and I said, I can understand that. Um, I can also understand that, you know, there are a lot of people, but they're like, in the woodwork somewhere you know they're either on youtube or some other platform and you kind of got to look around you know because they're not as visible and i said i said you know there's enough space in the language learning community where this could be um something that could be embraced on a lot of levels um, you know, you would have, I mean, it would be, I would open it up to everybody, you know, to come and, per, you know, participate in the chat sessions and stuff like that, you know, but the main speakers would be people who were from the Middle East, Asian, Latino American, African American, and I'm throwing in there people who are blind or visually impaired, because there are some people out there that, you know, have degrees in, in linguistics and they're working and I wanted to um, showcase them, um, you know, to the world, not just domestically, but internationally. And I said, well, there's not enough online representation, especially when, you know, when you're looking at traveling to places. I mean, it'd be nice to go to the Polyglot Conference or Polyglot Gathering or Langfest, but some people for one reason or another, they just cannot afford to go. This way, they could have something else to, you know, look forward to in the summertime online. They might go to Women in Language in March, but then after that, everything else is in person. So I said, well, why not? So I had... um, contacted uh, Kirsten because since you guys had put on women in language I said you know I want to I want to give myself 14 months to put this on and I said I'm willing to get help from any and everybody in the language community all the advice so forth you know I want to make this as successful as I possibly can and economically affordable as well so um I'm just curious because this is the second time that you guys put on, you know, women in language. Was it a lot more easier the second time around to put it on or did you guys have similar, um, um, issues with certain things like in the, like when you first started the first time around? 
Well, I mean, when we did the first event, we were doing a first event. So there was a lot of figuring out that needed to happen mm-hmm. um, because we'd never done it before. So there, were, there was a pretty big learning curve. The second time around, you know, you have some processes in place. You kind of get what you need to do. I mean, surprises do come up, mm-hmm. but um, you, you have done the event before. So you have the experience of having done the event. It's like when you learn languages, when you learn another language, you have the experience of having learned a language before. Right. So you can use that to your advantage. Um, and as you said, representation was really important to us. So we tried not to have um, too many duplicate speakers. So we wanted to try and bring in new speakers for the second event. Um, right. And so, you know, finding a new group of people can have its own set of challenges. But um, it, it does get easier each time you do it. You kind of work out what needs to be done, what systems need to happen and um yeah and plus it helps that I worked with Kirsten and Lindsay who are just amazing so they make everything fun and easy (laughs) now I was just curious like tech now tech wise um because I'm (laughs) doing this from scratch um you know creating the website and you know finding I mean not just finding the speakers but um, getting like like if you want to do a raffle and you want to raffle off like all the donations that they give you like whether it's books or courses or whatever it is um, how did was that process difficult for you guys to kind um, of set up not or- really I mean Lindsay Kirsten and I each have different skill sets so we kind of divided up the tasks based on each of our strengths Mm -hmm. and knowledge so um you know we kind of had someone who had some understanding of how to do each of the tasks that needed to be done as a part of the event okay because I um I had told Kirsten I said I I'm giving myself 14 months um you know because I've never done any of this before, and I'm I'm trying to get my own team together um, to help me with the some of the tech stuff because my tech skills are not that advanced. So um, I know that Kirsten said it did cost a little bit of money to do it, and she basically said you guys could use like Teachable and Google Hangouts. Mm-hmm. Was that, I mean, because evidently I have a teachable account. So would I be able, would, would I have to like create a new account with them in order to, if I wanted to use that platform or would I be charged? Um, I don't really know. I don't know what your current account setup is. If you're just a student account or if you have a teacher account, um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Okay. Um, um, so, um, cause Kirsten, I said, well, it was a good thing that I decided to ask all these questions way in advance. <laughs> cause I said, I'd like to give myself as much time as I possibly can, um, you know, to, you know, come up with what, what the things that I want for it and so forth and so on and finding you know 
you know, people had helped me in regards to, you know, setting it all up and, um, getting, you know, sponsors and so forth and so on. I mean, was that, since you guys put it on the first time, um, evidently you were able to get, you know, more people to sponsor you because of the fact that you guys had, had did the first one. Did you, when you did the first one, I mean, evidently you're going to have some type of, you're going to be a little bit apprehensive because you don't know how people are going to take it, you know, or accept it. Um, you know, because it's basically women speaking. Um, do you, um, given the fact that it was a turnout of like 500 people this time around, I mean, were you guys like surprised by, you know, the, the high turnout you got this time around? Yeah, I mean, you're always a little bit surprised because you're doing this thing and you hope other people like it. Um, so, yeah, we were a little bit surprised, but, I mean, we had a pretty good idea based on our numbers from the previous year. So we were able to kind of estimate what we would, what we could expect for, for this year. If you were to give someone, not, I mean, final thing. Hey. Sorry. Um, so if you were to give someone advice on, you know, starting their own, you know, conference from scratch, what would that be? My advice would be um, to first really figure out why you're setting up the conference, um, write down what that is, um, you know, kind of come up with a really clear message so that when you approach other people to collaborate with you, you have a clear message of what your conference is about, what they can expect, and why they'd want to get involved. Okay. Um. Now, evidently, it was the three of you uh, collaborating, you know, together. Um, evidently, because I'm, I, you know, I'm giving myself a nice amount of time to, you know, get the technical things situated. I, I mean, I know that when um, you guys had put on the first one last year, it was a it was a very short turnaround time. So I mean, as far as the process was concerned, like, did you guys? I mean, evidently you guys had to have like you know meetings and and, and work around you guys' schedules. I mean, was that relatively you know difficult or easy to to navigate? given the fact you were trying to put this together and then you had all this other stuff going on at the same time? Well, I mean, for us, it was a priority to put it together. So we just made sure that we made time for it. Um, there was something that we wanted to do. We had a deadline for it. We had the dates for when it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. So we just arranged accordingly. We made sure we met up once a week to kind of go over everything and make sure we were on track, offer one another help if 
someone was needed help in some area and um we just we made it happen because we felt like it needed to happen yeah i i mean because i i had interviewed um shahina foster and a few others from women in language and um i had said you know that was the coolest thing about buying a ticket it like changed my whole outlook on language learning especially from a female perspective because even though there are females out there learning languages not there's not a lot that are like in the forefront is is you know it's not as big as like all the guys that are in the language learning community that are you know have their own businesses and you know their own companies and so forth and so on so to know that you know you have all these people who are women that are doing all these great things i mean it just gives you like this big motivation boost to just go and drive yourself to want to do something yourself you know to share with the world as a woman given the fact that next year we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of women having the right to vote and you know i guess i looked at it in a lot of ways as okay i'm african-american i'm disabled i'm a woman and i'm celebrating like probably about three different anniversaries all in the same year and then and then I, I sat there and thought to myself, I really want to do this because, you know, I'd be able to share, you know, my passion for language learning and bringing people together. And I kind of felt like I found my niche. I mean, I might not be able to, like, create, like, a, you know, book or, you know, like some type of course. But I'm, I'm always good at bringing people together, you know, for different events or creating events. And... In this way, in this space, to be able to bring, you know, a variety of different, you know, minority groups together and, you know, people who are blind and visually impaired under the same umbrella of, of language learning and to talk about what different, um, you know, things that they're doing career-wise to impact the language learning community in their own right, that, that tells me a you know, a lot right there um, that people can, in the smallest measurement, you know, impact, make a worldwide impact by, you know, bringing people together to learn about something or someone who's not like them. And I guess that's the one thing that I, I got from women in language was, you know, it was this sense of um, camaraderie, um, um, that we were women and it didn't matter what the economics were, the education was, the, you know, we all enjoyed the same thing, you know, languages and and that, and what that brings to people, um, you know, as a whole, as a as a bridge connector, globally, 
And so I, I just have to say, you know, thank you for um, putting on such a great conference. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you for supporting the conference and for attending. And I wish you much success with your event next year. Thank you. Um, ask you. Um, I'm just, I'm curious. Oh, yes. Congratulations on your album coming out. Oh, thank you. Um, now, evidently because you, you do jazz, um, as your, your main, um, you know, musical form of expression, would you ever consider, like, cutting a song in, like, another language, vocally? I actually have. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, what language? Um, I did French on my last album, um, a couple of tracks. I also did French on a collab project that I did a couple years ago. And my new album, um, the follow-up single, um, there's a one vocal tune on this album. Mm-hmm. And um, after the release of the album, I'm going to release uh, that song as a single again. And there's a Croatian version of the song. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. That is, like, so awesome. See, I wish I was that freaking multi-talented. <laughs> I, 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 I was in choir when I was in high school, and I was an alto, and that was the extent of it. Like, I wasn't, like, the best instrument player on the face of I mean, I learned how to play the piano by ear, and that was fun. I got to play a baby grand for my high school graduation, but... Otherwise, I never, like, really took lessons from, like, the time I was six or anything. But I've always loved music, uh, for the most part. But, um, what else was I going to say? Um, what's next for you? Um, (laughs) good question. Um... Right now, I'm currently studying German and Hindi. Those are the two languages that I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already working on my next album. I have six songs that are pretty far along the way. So I'm excited about that. Um, and just keep doing everything else that I'm doing. Keep doing the Adam Challenge. Keep doing Women in Language. Keep doing Drops. Keep doing Fluent in Three Months. Keep doing Eurolinguist. And uh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I I also decided to start a blog this year too, which I did. Um, but yeah, I said my whole goal is start a conference, see how that goes, um, and then keep doing my podcast show and. I'm currently focusing on Italian right now. Um, I'm almost done. I'm a, I'm 120 pages out from finishing Il Petrino in Italian and um, Hunger Italiano. So I'm I'm reading both of those right now in Italian, and I'm almost done with Hunger Italiano, and then I'll be done with Il Petrino sometime tonight. 
So, yeah, I've been doing that. And I'm also helping um, people right now with their language learning and giving them really good tips and advice about, you know, how to learn languages. Like someone's learning Hebrew. And um, I might recommend drops to them, too. Um, Hebrew and Spanish. And they're both at the same level in in both languages. And I said, why don't you try doing Spanish on Monday, Wednesday, and doing Hebrew on Tuesday, Thursday, and try not to do more than an hour? Because that's a lot to consume, especially if you're doing a, a language like Hebrew. So, and I gave them a couple more, you know, resources and... Um, um, yeah, so I've been I've been kind of doing some mentoring and and things like that and keeping busy. My birthday's next weekend, my twentieth. Happy anniversary. birthday! Thank you. I'm getting old. I turned forty two. <laughs> and then my twentieth high school reunion is next weekend, but I'm not going. <laughs> no, I'm actually going to go see my family that weekend. So I can't go, even though everybody wants me to. So, but, um, you're the the celebrity of the freaking class. I'm like, really? (laughs) I don't see it like that. But, um, yeah, I I told them it's going to be a while before I I come to a reunion due to other things that are going on in my life. So, but I have to say, um, I enjoy following your, your adventures all over the place. I, the first th- the first thing I thought was, okay, she came back from China. Oh, my gosh. She has to be jet lagged. <laughs> That's a lot of flying. <laughs> yeah, but the time on the plane is worth it when she gets get to the destination. So, because you're on the Pacific Coast, now, it's only 15 hours from L.A., right? To um, China? Or is it longer? It it depends. Um, but yeah, it's basically like uh, somewhere between twelve and fifteen hours if I have a direct flight. Wow. Well, it's well, technically you could watch like Lord of the Rings <laughs> for most of that. I actually spend a lot of my plane time using Drops because it's available offline awesome. if you have the premium version. So I, I study. Oh, awesome! That is totally cool. Well, thank you. J'avoue to the monomi par vous participation avec moi audio podcast programme aujourd'hui monomi. J'espère que tu es un magnificent apprendi un Californie monomi. Merci à toi aussi. Au revoir, monomi. And everybody else, thank you for tuning in to episode 89 of the podcast. I want to thank the sponsors, Flipboard.com. You guys keep the lights on. And um, thank you to all the new people who have subscribed. Thank you to all the old people. Keep coming back for more tips and tricks from Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. Your host, Chanel Patrice Hancock. And it's bye from Chanel. Au revoir, tout le monde. Au revoir, Shannon. Zaijian, 谢谢.
Bye-bye, everyone.